Midwife calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast. I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor. And this week we are talking about the second episode of Season 6 of Call the Midwife. This episode was written by Harriet Warner and directed by Cherie Folkson. Harriet Warner has written many an episode of Call the Midwife, most recently episode 5 of Season 5, which is the one where Delia talks a woman uh, through labor over the phone, or, and the one where Phyllis has a patient with a past as a prostitute who thinks she's not good enough to be a mother, and Phyllis convinces her to go back and and be a mother. <laughs> yep, I remember the episode. Cherie Folkson most recently directed last week's episode that we talked about last week. Uh-huh. Do you want to take us through the recap of this episode, Jan? I sure do. Mature Jenny narrates about hope as we see a young couple walk down the street in Poplar. Delia and Patsy discuss the letter from her father that she refuses to open. In the clinic, Sister Ursula takes away Sister Monica Jones' bonbons. Patsy examines Mrs. Reed, a pregnant woman with a chrondoplasia. She later discusses the case with Dr. Turner. Patsy visits Mrs. Reed, and they discuss the risks associated with her pregnancy and her hopes. Another pregnant woman, Jessie, needs bread as her husband George leaves for work. Patsy and Delia cuddle in bed and discuss the letter which Patsy still doesn't want to open. Phyllis spots Patsy leaving Delia's room. In a pub, George stops by to talk to Val, who works there, telling her that he's going to be having a baby that day. Later, he gets the smallpox vaccine from Sheila at the docks. Jessie delivers a baby boy who she names Bobby. Meanwhile, George is working alongside an older man named Arthur who is struggling to keep up. As Sheila passes by, an explosion rocks the area. She works to help with Val from the pub, who's a nurse. In the building, George has damaged his eyes, and Sheila fails to revive Arthur. Back at Nanatis, Val and Sheila talk about the lack of provisions at the docks, and Jessie is told about her husband's burns. So I want to, like, often... we I like to start uh, by discussing the voiceover. Mm. Um, there's a couple of specific phrases in this voiceover that I want to draw attention to as we talk about this episode. She says... Things in the 60s are very optimistic, uh, but our main task, as ever, is to understand and to accept what it meant to be human. Uh, no matter what science sought, our challenge remained the same, to accept what it meant to be human. And actually, I stumbled over that. I said it twice because I wrote a little paraphrase in my notes, and then I went back and and wrote down the exact words, and my paraphrase was to understand, but the actual wording is to accept what it means to be human. And I feel like this is uh, an instance where I see a lot of connection in this voiceover to the themes of the episode. I think this is very uh, much setting up what the episode is about, and one of the fundamental... One of the fundamental things this episode is going to be about is accepting what it means to be human and the limitations of that and the strengths of that and the weaknesses of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that brings us, I mean, the three main plots uh, that you mentioned in, the, in your recap are the three main plot threads that we've seen so far are Patsy and her sick father... Uh, George and Jesse, and that ties into the explosion, George and the explosion, and Mrs. Reed. Mm -hmm. And all three of those plots are about the, about human frailty and the limitations of being human and characters who don't want to or can't or have a hard time accepting uh, what that humanity means. Mm -hmm. 
So which of those three do you want to start with first? Um, let's let's start with uh, Penny Reed, who has uh, a chorondoplasia, which is a type of dwarfism. Yeah, and did you look into it all, like, the specifics of that? Not a lot, no. But it is, it was a risky pregnancy, mostly due to their size. Right. And uh, modern technology and advances in medicine have made it a bit easier. Right. But it still is risky. I like, here's my thing with her plot uh, throughout, but especially in this first part. Uh, she's a high-risk pregnancy, everyone wants her to have an abortion, or, like, at the very least, to be very unhappy about being pregnant, and, yeah. like, I get that it's a high-risk pregnancy, but I don't really understand why the fact that she's optimistic is being treated like a horrible thing by everyone. Like, they, specifically, it is Patsy and Dr. Turner who are taking care of her, and they both are like, <gasps> She's optimistic. Like, I think they're worried that she doesn't know. They're of worried she does. I know. You well, yes and no. Because she might yes, she knows that it's risk. She knows that like she has endocrinoplasia, but she's uh but they're worried that she hasn't been told how incredibly risky like the statistics or the chances or the whatevers and because of her attitude and because she's like I'm just smaller so but she has been and I agree that like how dare she be optimistic how great is it that she's optimistic I and just like it rubbed me really the wrong way especially yeah. because like okay she maybe doesn't understand the specifics of exactly how high risk, but also they never tell us specifics. Yeah, yeah that's true. Numbers, details. Uh, so, like, all they tell us is it's very high risk, which she already knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I just find her whole story, they are so, especially in the first half, and, and Patsy gets over it eventually, but uh, especially in the first bit of the story, they are just so, like, very upset that she's happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like... mean, they're infantilizing her. Yeah. But, I mean, they would. Yeah. And that is a uh, drawback on her disability is that she gets infantilized. And I think uh, part of what you said at the beginning about seeing humanity was... Mm. For Derek and Penny, it's simply being seen as human. Yeah, exactly. Being seen as having a desire to have a child. When disabled people get uh, put into boxes where like, oh, you don't want the things that other people would want. Yeah. So, and you wouldn't be happy about this pregnancy because you wouldn't want what other people would want, you know? There's, there's, a, there's a bit of that stereotyping to them. And I think... It sucks to see it in our beloved main <laughs> characters, but also it's, you know, it's going to be there. Yeah. And we need them to be surprised and and uh, change their minds. In terms of, like, we'll talk more about her and her pregnancy as the episode goes on, but the exactly as you say, the, like, limits of being human and understanding what it means to be human limits and not limits is like we have maybe uh her not under or they are afraid that she doesn't understand the limits of her body and them not seeing her as fully human mm-hmm. and with the ability to make choices of her own including about her uh mood yeah uh, and it is all about accepting what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Do you want to keep talking about Patsy? Yes. So we knew in the last episode that her father is gravely ill. Mm-hmm. And now she's got this letter from him that she's refusing to open. Yes. Speaking of someone who wants to live in La La Land, who wants to, like, 
be optimistic or be like not really optimistic but like pretend something isn't gonna happen she's basically as long as i don't open this letter i don't have to deal with the reality she even says that outright to delia right like Mm -hmm. as long as i don't read it maybe it'll go away and it is like an interesting juxtaposition in her character that like she is so worried and upset that penny reed isn't looking the facts in the face the way that she thinks that she should the way that patsy thinks penny should but then she's refusing to look the facts of her own situation in the face mm-hmm. um the like in terms of accepting what it means to be human part of that in her plot is like her father is sick and going to die and that is part of what having a human body means mm-hmm. but also part of it is she has a connection to her father that she can't deny. That she can... Well, she can deny. Uh, but that doesn't make it go away. Yeah. Right? And that's also what it means... Part of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And that if the challenge is to accept what it means, that part of what is going on... Not just the meaning of humanity, but part is what, what is part of what they are setting up in this first section and through the whole episode is, like, accepting and not accepting. And that, like... That's a very outright in so many words is like, I just don't accept yeah, <laughs> the exactly. situation. The other thing about Patsy's story is just a little moment that's going to pay off later in the episode. But uh, Phyllis catches Patsy leaving Delia's room yeah. late at night. Very suspicious. And also, like, Pat, Phyllis is no dummy. Yeah. She sees that and knows what it means. So at this uh, point, nothing comes of it yet. Yeah. But, like, all we get in this section you recapped is, like, what you said. Phyllis sees them mm-hmm. and then says and does nothing about it. But they're not as secret as they think they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like... They're taking... Now that they live in the same place, they are taking a lot of risks. But also, they can get away with things pretty easily. That, like, even... Like, Phyllis can suspect things and know things. But... They can have a lot of, uh, we're just best friends. They have room for some plausible deniability That's that even if yeah. Phyllis sees her coming out late at night and like, I was talking to my friend late at night. Yep. Exactly. We were always in and out of each other's rooms. You know that, Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. So let's move on to George and, uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Who, I didn't mention in the recap, but they live with her mother-in-law and... Mm-hmm. At the, when we first meet them, they are happy and in yes. love, and he's got a good job. And like, wow, <laughs> I wonder if anything will happen to them horribly. <laughs> They're the like, if you know anything about how, you know, narrative works. conflict works, they start off like, yeah, they're deeply in love and very optimistic and have a good job and have a happy life. And so... And he's such a good guy and also such a cheerful guy with so much hope. And he's going to help Arthur because he's a helpful man who, and she's, you know, yeah, they're yeah, all, their exactly. life is very rosy. And their outlook is very rosy. And like, I'm laughing, but like, it's really, the explosion is really, uh. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. It wasn't shocking even on the first time watching because it was in the pre- <laughs> The next time on Call of Duty. Oh, Advice. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't watch those. <laughs> but like, it was... Yeah, anyway. The warehouse just explodes, right? Yeah. And, and George is in there with Arthur, and there's a lot of carnage and fire and soot and smoke and wounded people and... It's never spelled out what they're working with, but I assume it's... Something that would be damaging. Like, his eyes are not just hurt by an explosion. They seem to be hurt by chemicals. Yeah, I mean, there's talk later about uh, goggles for, for chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like his his eyes could easily have been just as damaged just by the fire, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, the main thing that... The two main things that 
uh, I think, come of this story at this point are like, things are suddenly bad for George. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, uh, Jesse gives birth, like, during this. Yeah. So his baby, his son is born, and he doesn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also we have the, like, they don't have anything. The, the, uh, Sheila and the barmaid Val, um, the bar... It was an army, it was an army nurse. It was an army nurse, yes. Uh, are, like, trying to help, and they're like, get me some water, get me some bandages, get me... And they have nothing. Yeah. Like, not even clean, and they The mention, main thing is clean water. I think they mentioned three or four times, like, water, there's no water. Uh, and they en- end up using water at, from Sheila's water bottle that she was carrying with her is the only water they have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything else about this section to notice? Oh, um, Sister Ursula continues to be the worst. Taking away Sister Monica <laughs> Jones bonbons. Like, come on. <laughs> she does. She's... The worst in, in later in this episode. Yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm about to recap where she gets worse, but I'm I just like, like taking away Sister Monica <laughs> Jones' bonbons are like she says, it's like a cartoon uh, villain. "Unlike your sisters, I will not indulge you," and I feel like we're meant not to like her, but they do indulge Sister Monica Jones, and like you know, she is uh, she could maybe use a little bit more discipline sometimes, self discipline that is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, let's continue with uh, Sister Ursula. Go. So at the at lunch, Sister Ursula lectures everyone to not cause dependencies by going too far above and beyond for patients, and that they will trim the fat. Jesse visits George and finds him extremely angry at his at his blindness. Sheila is called to be a witness to the incident, and Patsy finally opens her letter, throws it out. But Sister Monica Joan picks it up and tells Patsy she should ease him on his way. At the hospital, George rejects seeing Bobby for the first time. Jesse and Bar- Jesse and George argue, and Jesse declares her love, but he's still angry. Sister Winifred works to pack up a lunch for Jesse, but Sister Ursula and Sister Julianne butt heads over how much she's helping. To circumnavigate Sister Ursula, Sister Julianne finds vegetables from the garden, and Sister Winifred brings them to Jessie. Penny and Derek talk in their apartment, disagreeing about the baby and her hopes for it, and Sheila testifies at the inquest. She gives extra information, shaming them for their lack of water and register, and attempting, attempting to shame them without much success. Yes. Um... So I take immediately everything that I said about, like, well, maybe Sister Ursula's not that bad back, because in this section she proves herself to be the absolute worst. She starts off that talk. That, I mean, like, it's well acted and written, but, like, sitting at the table and she's like, I've noticed since I've been here, I've been struck by how you go above and beyond for your patients and they all look so proud and she Mm. says stop that yeah exactly (laughs) like and also like you said trimming the fat she says those who do not earn their place must find another and the camera ominously focuses on sister monica jones Mm -hmm. she's like threatening to kick sister monica jones out she's telling them to stop actually helping their patients yeah exactly uh she's the worst yeah She's horrible. And that, like, let's stay on her for just a sec. That, like, they, uh, specifically, um, Jet, with, with George injured, he's not earning any income. And so Jesse and family are struggling to buy food. And so they want, uh, to bring her some food. And uh, Sister Ursula, like, refuses them permission, and Sister Monica, I mean, and Sister Julianne Julianne goes to get carrots and potatoes from the vegetable garden. Uh, One of my favorite exchanges in the episode, 
Fred, do you have any spare carrots or maybe potatoes? That's a very personal question. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good Fred line. Just, I think that's a great line. Um, but then he does uh, have carrots and potatoes and they bring vegetables to... Well, and she talks about how that is so true is that they give their extras to mm-hmm. the community because the community gives their extras to them. Think about, like, I can't remember how many episodes it was, but, like, they're getting marrows that they don't like and but vegetables that they do like and things yep. from, the, from the surrounding neighbors. Like, it's not like they're not receiving of these things and therefore can then give in return. Sister Julianne is 100% right and should be in charge. Why can't this woman just go away? <laughs> like, I mean, like you say, there's two diff- or there's three different things happening all at once that are all Sister Ursula being sucky. Mm-hmm. One is like we have said over and over, you and I have said over and over that the worldview of this show is uh, all about uh, whole care for the person. And so, like, medicalization of medical care, institutionalization of medical care, where we think about people the way that mechanics think about cars and tune up the one part that needs tuning up. This show's worldview throughout has always been that that's not the best way to treat people, that people Mm -hmm. are whole people, and that their medical issues are connected to their emotional issues, are connected to their spiritual issues, are connected to their social issues. Then there's also the, like, you are not only nurses and midwives, you're nuns, and you have a duty of spiritual care for the people around you and also a, like, uh responsibility towards God to behave with kindness and charity as you are instructed to by your God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, you do not, Sister Ursula, have the option of trimming the fat and helping only where it is needed. That's what maybe the hospital can do. But you're not just a nurse and you're not just a midwife. You are a nun and you have made vows before God that involve charity mm-hmm. and then the third thing that it, what you just said that is just like they're in a community they're yeah. not just drop in out of nowhere they are they need to be for the people of poplar what uh i've already forgotten her name what doctor what's her name is for the people in south africa like Dr. Myra is for the people in South Africa. They know these people. They know their names and they are not just uh, dropping out of nowhere. Those are not just their patients. They're also their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And that the community of the neighborly community supports each other. And that is a reciprocal relationship that is not just transactional. It's not just like because she gave us a marrow, we give her a carrot and now we're even. It's about an ongoing re- uh, relationship built by people who live in the community that they are serving. This is the like whole point of having a house in the community where you are serving, is you are part of that community. Well, and Ju- Sister Julianne does specifically use the word neighbor. And that is a very deliberate use of that word because it comes like... It is straight out of the Bible of love your neighbor. So she is invoking that word very much on purpose to Sister Ursula, being like, remember that where we come from and that exactly what you're saying, that we are nuns. Therefore, we have an obligation to help our neighbors. And and like even the transactional aspect of it, imagine a neighborhood where they were constantly giving the nuns a little bit extra and they never and they never gave back that would not be yeah okay that would be sucky and then sister monica joan and sister julianne talk about (laughs) the situation and sister monica joan says this is the anschluss of nonatus uh which uh suggests that sister ursula is hitler um (laughs) A little far. Maybe a little far, but just that's the framing that we're given here. Yeah. This is the Anschluss of Nanatus, and we have to live through it and survive and come out the other end. Sister Ursula is Hitler. 
we <laughs> can get through it by, like, keeping calm and carrying on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of Sister Monica Joan... Uh, Sister Monica Joan intersects with Patsy's story in this sub, in this section that you uh, mm-hmm. summarized, uh, recapped. Uh, Sister Monica Joan, do not read other people's letters. That's no. not okay. It's Jeez not Louise. okay. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But, however, she's doing it, I mean, she is doing it because she's a, a curious, gossipy uh <laughs> person but she is also recognizing that patsy is upset even in the throwing of the letter away and recognizing maybe she can help her so and she does she She reads the letter she goes and finds patsy who is cleaning like a mad woman (laughs) which is such a patsy thing to do is i can't fix anything else but i can clean we've not we've seen that before with her numerous times so that's very in character and Sister Monica Joan speaks truth to her, speaks the absolute truth, and only as someone with lots of lived experience can, and say, you know, you can ease him on his way. Yes. As someone who could be eased on my way, you can ease him on his way. And thus proving her, uh, she does not need to be trimmed as fat. <laughs> She is a crucial, vital... She is carrying her weight. She's earning her place. I can't help, though, but can you just imagine uh, what Sister Evangelina would say about Sister Monica Joan reading her letter... Reading Patsy's letter? (laughs) She would tear her a new one for that. Also, can you imagine Sister Ursula and Sister Evangelina just, like... Yes. That would not be a good thing. But yeah, despite reading someone else's letter being not an okay thing to do, Sister Monica Joan, I'm going to be very strict with you about this, but uh, the advice that she gives having read the letter, I think, is what Patsy needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And is, like, again, about, like, accepting the what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um and Patsy's speech here about, like, I'm really good at my job, but I'm not good at accepting loss. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, I get it, Patsy, but you're a whole full human, and those are both parts of what you have to be to be you. Yeah. Uh, and, like, again, this episode about accepting what it means to be human, I think, is about, like, that speech is part of that theme, speaks to that theme so uh, directly, I think. Um, anything else in this? We um, don't have a lot more with Mrs. Reed. Yeah, I was going to say, they have a discussion. Derek is trying to be more realistic, her husband, yeah. and, you know, he's fixing up a pram, and then he moves... he changes his mind and starts fixing up a clock and she's kind of like sad about that but he's saying this is uh this will bring me money whereas the pram we don't even know if we'll need basically like he's got some pessimism here which is seen kind of in the framing of the show seen as realism but also it's tough it's tough on both of them yeah i just feel again i feel like uh, the Reed story is the weak point of this episode because it feels like we're flipping back and forth of who is pessim. I mean, Mrs. Penny is pretty optimistic all the way through, but she just keeps having, like, Job's tempters mm-hmm. <laughs> who are, you know, uh, tutting her for her optimism. And, like, I feel like this one scene is the only time where we see that from Derek. Yeah, I agree. It's just a little... I don't know, it's a little bit more world building, but I agree that, that this uh, story deserves a bit more attention than it gets. Yeah. Um, the last thing is, of course, Sheila is called to testify. She's nervous yes. about it. She goes, and uh, it's the coroner's inquest just trying to determine exactly what happened, but she cannot uh, stop herself from moralizing and shaming them, <laughs> and they're like, this, I don't care. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, but anyway, what what she does tell them is what we just said, that there was nothing there that they Mm. needed that could have helped. Yeah. And And Val, the other nurse, does also testify. She does, and they meet again. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a little bit, a little tiny bit about Sheila, too, that I don't think you even mentioned in your recap, which is just that Sheila and Patrick decide to tell Timothy that uh, Sheila is pregnant, and Timothy, of course, has already figured it out because he is too smart for them to hide things from. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next, uh, next and last section. Patsy leaves Nanatis to go to Pensy Penny at the hospital, who's gone into labor and goes in for her C-section. Tom sits with her husband, Derek, and Delia is in the operating room. Patsy gets to report to Penny that she has a healthy daughter who is normal-sized. Penny worries and frets and Patsy shares her love for her own mother and how she needs to go to her father. She calls her father and then faces off with Sister Ursula. Delia and Patsy talk about being apart and how they will write and wait and love. Sheila visits George and asks him to come to the court to fight for better conditions for the workers. He does later show up and apologizes to Jessie, saying he can smell her perfume. Penny holds her baby for the first time, with Delia chasing off the medical students so that she and Derek can have their private moment. Sheila finds Val in the pub and shares that the coroner has made recommendations to make changes on the docks. George's eyes are revealed, but he is still blind. Jesse promises to stay by him. Patsy visits the Reeds at home and assures them that they will be great parents. And Patsy says goodbye to everyone and leaves for Hong Kong. George holds his baby for the first time, and Phyllis quotes Delia's Spanish poetry, revealing that she knows about Patsy and Delia's love. She loans her the Spanish poetry book. Mature Jenny narrates about injury and loss as we see Penny with a group of moms and Delia taking comfort in Patsy's perfume in her bed. So let's talk about Penny Reed first. Yes. Um, we haven't we haven't actually, I think, mentioned so far, but uh, all along there's been, she has had a C-section scheduled. There's been mention about how, like, uh, it's a high-risk pregnancy no matter what, but a vaginal birth is, like... Actually impossible. Impossible because yeah. of the size. Uh, so when her water breaks, the C-section is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. She, like, is rushed to the hospital and, like, there's there's concern, I think, for the audience, especially more than for the uh, medical staff in the show. Mm-hmm. But for the audience, there's concern that, like, the C-section, is she going to be able to have a C-section if her water breaks and her she's going into labor early? Yeah. Um, and there's a real, like, stress moment where Tom goes and talks to Derek and is going to bless the baby and it's all very set up for us to believe that something terrible is going to happen, which is, of course, uh, b- projected that it turns out fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the same way that, like, uh, George and Jesse's hopeful happiness in the first ten minutes of them in the episode is, like, uh, telling us in flashing lights that something bad is going to happen to them. Everyone's pessimism through the whole episode is telling us in flashing lights that uh, she's going to be fine. (laughs) And she is. I think that uh, in all of her optimism... When once the baby's actually born in there, that's yes. where Penny's pessimism or Pe- Penny's fears can all come out. Is that there was a chance the baby could be uh, have dwarfism or not, and it turns out not. And she's then, oh my goodness, I have a baby who's going to be bigger than me and not very long. How and like. Are they going to be ashamed that they have parents who are small? And all the all these fears come rushing in. And it's like, she had optimism, but only to the point of giving birth, I believe. And yes. then the, after that was like, oh my goodness, I've actually, we did this and we have this baby now. And that's where, like, I've said that the Reed story I thought was the weakest point of the episode. 
but like once the baby is born i think it gets better yeah like, the writing gets better the writing and gets the, better. like i really like the i not only like it dramatically for a tv show but also i buy it mm-hmm. that uh penny was so optimistic until the baby was born and then she's kind of allows herself to have all her doubts come to the surface yeah exactly i totally buy that yeah it feels I, very realistic also like i said it's obviously projected that the baby's gonna be fine but it's still a huge relief when like i cried yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like a baby's just baby it's just healthy and everyone's okay mm-hmm. um and the like this is where you said Patsy talks about her mother, that specifically Penny is worried that the baby, like, she has lots of worries, but one of the specific worries is that, like, the baby will, won't love her, will be ashamed of her or embarrassed of her for being a little person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Patsy talks about how she loved her mother and her sister and they she was born in a prison camp and raised in a prison camp but was so close to her mother and they both died and then we kind of get what we haven't gotten in like how many episodes i guess just the two episodes of uh her father is ill and she refuses to go to him she finally kind of gives that a context that we haven't seen yet of like we were never really close because I was afraid to let myself be close to him because I was so... Because my, the death of my mother and sister were so painful. Yeah, absolutely. And that, like, her... I mean, not to beat over the head the wording of the intro, but, like, accepting what it means to be human doesn't just mean accepting the loss of people that you love. It also means accepting your own... uh irrational reasons for refusing to let people in or letting them in and being hurt or like Mm -hmm, she's kind of coming to terms with uh and accepting who she is and who she has been and why she has acted the way she has towards her father uh i really like this whole scene and interaction and and both for what it means for penny reed and also for what it means for patsy mm-hmm. she goes uh also patsy's not supposed to be there at all right yeah uh, and sister ursula says she shouldn't go she knows that sister ursula doesn't want her to go she says consequences be damned she's my patient yeah if i've learned one thing from nanata's house it's that we do what's right for our patient yeah, and she's 100% right in that, like, this is exactly the world that she has come to. She left male surgery and the hospital to come and be a midwife in this context. And so then suddenly being told by a new nun, no, we're not doing this context. Well, no. Like, forget that. I've learned so much and learned that it's good. The whole reason I'm here at all. And when she comes back after all this and Sister Ursula, the Hitler of Nanata's house, says, <laughs> I find myself obliged to dock your wages with a little smirk. Uh, Harriet Walter is so good at oh, being Harriet smugly Walter. awful. <laughs> She's so smug and terrible. Like, it's one thing to be like, I have to dock your wages. She just seems so happy about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Patsy, like puts the money on the table and doesn't quite like just one uh step shy of take this job and shove it yeah exactly <laughs> like i am going to hong kong to visit my dying father here take your 25 cents yeah exactly and uh we do see sister ursula looking ashamed of herself as she should <laughs> as she should um, just one more thing about Penny before we move on is I really like the part where she's meeting her daughter and the medical students come in and yes. they're like, let's discuss this woman. And Delia just shoves them off and they're like, doctor, mister, whatever, we'll hear about this. I'm like, good, good. They should hear about this. Yeah. Delia and Patsy both <laughs> tell their bosses where they can put their. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's not a specimen, she's a mother. Yeah, exactly. And kicks her out. Mm-hmm. Kicks them all out, I mean. Kicks them all out. Good for her. 
Um, Especially since, like, also Derek is entering at that same time and can't even, like, get through because there's all these medical students in the way. Like, it's his baby. He needs to meet her. We've talked on this show before. Like, I feel conflicted sometimes. Because, like, medical students need to learn somehow. Yeah. Uh, But also, there's a time and a place. Yeah, exactly. There's an appropriate moment and an inappropriate moment. And get out. This is not the moment. Mm, Exactly. Do you want to talk about the inquest and and wrap that storyline up yeah well i mean there feels like there's a lot in this episode just to talk about the episode as a thing is a lot of jesse visiting george in the hospital george rejecting her i feel like that Mm -hmm. happens like three different times without all that much difference between them Mm -hmm. and i don't love it i feel Mm -hmm. like it it doesn't like there needed to be a little bit more different. Like just, I noticed this when recapping that like, okay, she's there again. Okay. He's mad and she's leaving. Okay. She's there again. Okay. He's mad. She's, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But him finally, you know, coming to the court and smelling her perfume and realizing that he can recognize her outside of the hospital outside of, you know, seeing her. Yeah. And the it wraps up quite quickly in like the coroner's making recommendations. Whether those recommendations will be followed is a bit like well, Yay, that's hand wave this is done, but mm, the coroner recommends world. that warehouses have clean water and eye protection and things like that. And a register. Uh Worker safety laws in the UK developed in fits and starts and patchwork. Yeah. Uh, until 1974 so it was 1974 that there was national legislation about worker safety laws in the uk yeah so like maybe these particular warehouses followed the recommendations of uh the coroner maybe they didn't but uh it's a ways away yeah before clean water and eye protection is standard uh, it still doesn't happen to this day. People don't follow recommendations. Can I go off on a tiny tangent that I have taken classes on worker safety? And as someone who works in a library, but I work, I'm a public worker, sometimes I have to take safety classes that are all about like not falling off a roof or stuff, which has zero to do with me. But I do then see what the actual safety standards are and how much people are not following them. Yeah. Like there's men out repairing the road with no breathing apparatus whatsoever. They're breathing in all those toxic fumes and no one is stopping it. Yep. And like it's some things have changed. Definitely things have changed since the sixties and there's been more regulations and things, but like they just don't, they don't get enforced nearly as much because the squeaky wheel gets fired. And I've never worked, like, construction, and it's been a long time since I've worked anywhere that had anything more dangerous than a, you know, cutting witticism in a piece of poetry I'm analyzing. (laughs) But uh, I can say I have never, I have never worked anywhere where they followed their safety regulations. Yeah, exactly. That's from, like, Tim Hortons to a butterfly conservatory in Niagara Falls to, like, uh... Any place. Yeah. I've never worked anywhere where they followed them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Unions are good. So George's eyesight, though, does not recover. This is another thing that maybe uh, we didn't yeah. uh, emphasize in our recap. That er- the the word from uh, Dr. Turner all along was like, we have to wait for the swelling to go down and then we will know more. Yeah. And it's one of the things that George is really frustrated with is uh, they don't they can't tell him like are you going to be blind forever or are you going to recover we don't know yeah and so when he finally takes the uh bandages off his eyes there is a hope that he'll be able to see Mm -hmm. but he doesn't he can't and the episode ends with i don't think we quite get never said out loud but we certainly get the implication Mm -hmm. like he's his eyesight has not recovered and is not going to he can't see anything uh the swelling has gone down and he still can't see he is blind Mm -hmm. um and the whole like his 
anger towards Jesse and uh, refusing to let her come visit him. And his frustration is like he doesn't want to go and testify. He doesn't feel like there's any hope for him, like he has any purpose or use in the world anymore. Uh, and there, the symbolically him going and talking in the uh, inquest is like he can still do something. Yeah. He can still do things that make uh, an impact on the world. And then the other half of that is he can smell Jesse's perfume so he can still uh, interpret and understand the world around him. So he can still be in it and impact it. And so there's like, that's the the hope at the end of his mm-hmm. story. Um, which is like a little step. I think I like it when I don't think I, you said it ends. Uh, it wraps up pretty quickly and it does. The inquest does. But I feel like I like it when uh, the ending of a patient story is like a step towards what we imagine to happen next like they don't wrap everything up he's not great now but like symbolically he is never going to recover but is able to move forward Mm -hmm. that's true so the last thing to talk about is phyllis being awesome to delia (laughs) patsy leaves and delia is like very upset obviously and phyllis corners her and reads her this poetry lends her the book with a phyllis thing of like a two-week loan period that's one of my favorite we might put a two-week limit on the loan i'll leave that book by your door put a two-week limit on the loan Mm -hmm. it's not yours to keep the poem that she quotes is as she says by uh garcia lorca who was uh, is a Spanish poet who was executed by Franco for mm. homosexuality. So just the like That's it's the context, not just like it's a poem about love. I didn't write the poem down, but it's like loving you hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurts my heart and my hat. <laughs> um, but it's not just a poem about love that uh, Phyllis quotes to Delia. It is a poem by a gay man that she quotes to Delia. So it's like, definitely I know what your deal Leah is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's just the context of that mm-hmm. poem. And it's a great ending for, I mean, like it's a sad ending for Delia and yeah. Patsy being apart. Uh, but it's a great ending for Phyllis mm-hmm. and for Delia getting some, like someone there who understands her. And yeah, and we have the plots tying together where uh, George smells Jesse's perfume, and then we have Delia smelling pa- Patsy's perfume to remember her, mm-hmm. and that sense memory is alive and well. Yeah, the voiceover in the ending, specifically, what the voiceover says is that our frailties and pains are made bearable by others. Mm-hmm. Their love. And our endurance make us human and complete. Mm-hmm. So we start off saying uh, our challenge is to accept what makes us human. And we end with our endurance and the love of the people around us are what make us human. And this is the through the whole episode, the like understanding and accepting what it means to be human is like the frailties and suffering and pain and enduring through them is what makes us human, according to the thesis of this episode, mm-hmm. but not in a vacuum. They're only made, those those sufferings are only bearable because of the love of the people around us. And we see that in the story of Jesse and George, and in the story of Phyllis going, I mean, of uh, Phyllis supporting Delia, but also of Patsy going to her father, but also Delia loving Patsy. And also, uh, it's all in the whole theme of like, Sister Ursula wants the uh, nuns to stop making the frailties and pains of the people around them bearable. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and we see it, and like in, it is what Patsy makes Penny reads uh, frailties bearable by like just being with her after she gives birth, and and it all I think ties up. It does tie up very well, so. better than a lot of times it does. Mm. I, this is what I always want the voiceover to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I always want the voiceover to actually speak to the theme of the episode, and I always want the end voiceover to tie into the beginning voiceover, and it doesn't always, but this time it did, and I liked it. <laughs> Is that your favorite thing about the episode, or do you have a favorite moment? Oh, I think my, I think my favorite moment may be uh, potatoes and carrots. That's a very personal question. <laughs> I just found that such a funny response. I uh, think mine have to would have to be that you have to return this book in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so you just said your favorite. Yeah, my favorite um, is that. So. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you want to talk to us about your favorite part of the episode, or about, uh, you know, people who aren't following appropriate safety regulations in your workplace, you can (laughs) do that. Uh, How, Jan? Um... Our main way of talking to people seems lately to be Discord, so you can find our Discord server linked in the show notes. We are also on Twitter, aka X. Don't even. Poplar Opinion. We uh, have an email address, poplar at clockworksacademy.com. And we would love your support and appreciate that we've gotten some new support lately on our Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And you can support us and help us make more of this and more of other things. Uh, is there anything else that I am forgetting, Paul? No, that's that's the basic thing. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us. I have been Dr. Paul Moffat. And I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. Mm-hmm.